When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I believe that I have been entrusted to your care not just by happenstance, but by the luminaries themselves. I have recently come to understand a very important and very profound truth that I, over these last ten days, have been trying to privately unravel, and though I am practiced and skilled in doing such things, have still not completed that journey. But... I came to that knowledge after departing with you, which means that I was not meant to discover it until that point, which also means reviewing it. And you can see that her finger, that her hands are are shaking a little bit as she settles and stills them. I do believe that I would not have departed with you had I known what I know now. But... I believe I have learned that at this time because I was meant to depart with you. So, speaking honestly here, I, I I respect the work you do and the way that you view the world, um, and I, I I have a real problem with meant to be. Uh, I, of course, am the only. I am a captain, and the captain charts his own course. And uh, of course, no man alive is as free as Jolly Jack to chart his own fate. I believe that all of us choose and then for good or ill deal with the consequences of our choices. I, I, just to just to be frank, what, what, what this is to say is that if you would like to go go back to him, I, I, we have nothing on the docket. Oh no. Actually, we have a, a, a bunch of a, a hold full of corpses, don't we? Yes, you do. And the journey to Crete Azure is short. So I will Crete absolutely is, oh. be joining you for that. Uh, but now, Margaret, what mm-hmm. problem? Remember, you, you did bring up a problem that you wanted to help Jack with. And I really love talking about Jack's problems. So do you have an idea of the problem that you'd like to solve? It sounds like Jack doesn't think he has many problems. I would be curious, and I, I am actually, Jerace, I have been so looking forward to meeting you specifically, because I figure if anyone knows about it, it would be you. And if you don't, then all the better that I am here at this point in time. You want me to tell you a problem that Jack needs to solve? I want you to tell me the problem that Jack doesn't like to talk about. 
if you know. <laughs> it like bangs the table. Uh, uh, would, would the two of you like to talk uh, by yourselves? I should check on the booth down on the dock uh, to make sure everything's going well. Would you like a little privacy? As you say that, the ship starts taking off. Um, and Margaret gives you a smile. Oh, I had everyone load everything up and depart. Cret uh, Azure, as we've said, is not far. And I knew that you wouldn't mind if we left on the hurry. I am taking quarters just above the cargo hold, and I'm not looking forward to smelling formaldehyde during any part of my journey with you. So I took the liberty. Uh, I Then in, in that case, I need to have a word with my crew about who the goddamn captain is. Um, I will return shortly. And he gets up and does walk around and have a little word with some people uh, about <laughs> like, hey, remember who's the captain? And also the first mate is on board. And also like for real though, uh, uh, th- th- there's disappointed dad voice. Uh, n- no shouting, no no tirade uh, because, you know, but, but, but Jack is like, so uh, I, I was I was startled that we didn't because I imagine when they land there is a little booth, and you sell like two individual people like little bits of Jack's salt, you know. There's Lucky mm-hmm. Salt and there's whatever, and it's so obvious flim flammery um, that yeah. nobody can ever feel sad that they didn't like get lucky with the love salt or whatever. Um, but like that's that's a little side hustle they do, and there's. Uh, I think mm-hmm. one of the crew is especially good at it and loves it, and it's his jam. And so, like, he's first off, Jack goes and talks to that crew member and say, "Hey, I'm so sorry you didn't get a chance. I know you were you were ready to try out, you know, the new. Uh, I don't know what kind of salt it would have been, but uh, Jack Jack just goes to do some work with the crew. So I'm left with Margaret. Yeah, I yeah. give you guys some space. Great. If you want to know a secret that I know about Jack, is that what you want? By the way. I am in the middle of treating Jack, treating Jack in the way Lily treats a person, which means that I am trying to untangle truths that a person might not be comfortable voicing, even if they do know about them. You could help me with that. And one way you could is we could have a very frank and open discussion about your relationship with Jack, which could be something that cuts very close to the vein, as it were. And I would never ask you to do that if you were not willing to do it. Mm -hmm. But I will say, I do believe it will help Jack very profoundly in the long run if he confronts this problem right now. Okay. Well, now that we're talking, I 100%, I feel really good about this and I want to help him. So my relationship with Jack is... It's like a roller coaster with locked doors along the way. So you'll be sliding all the way down, but the uphill climb is behind one door. And then the next slope is down behind another door and the door is locked. So it's not a fun ride, I guess is what I'm saying. And I think his main problem is that we just never match up when we're in love, you know, like. He'll be in love with me and then I won't be feeling it. And then I'll be in love with him, but it's not the right time. And and she gives she gives you a smile of, I, I know this is bullshit. 
and she'll, <laughs> Wait, she'll put let me a roll finger... for it and see. <laughs> okay. Oh, you want to super... do this? I, right. I want to see this. I want to see this. <laughs> I think I'm really good at this. This feels important. This feels right. like it might do. Are you rolling a deception? The game, James. <laughs> yeah, You're rolling deception. a deception. Okay. Uh, Where? Uh, yeah, I, I can't find it. I though. need you to roll oh, against Got it. two two red and two purple dice to roll against. Bart oh my red. dear God! Okay, I only have one yellow and uh, two green. It's one technically yellow, possible. Green, and then it's you. You could technically possible. So we have we have two. Two red and two purple? Yes. Okay. Pool is one one yellow, two green, two red, two purple. Um, it's stacked in your favor. And is it that's unfortunate. Is it possible that that she like knowing Jack inside and out is able to like flavor this with stuff only she would know about Jack and get a blue dye? Ooh. Yeah, sure, sure. You you I I can I can oh, see a for dye, a blue dye. You. Okay, for a blue dye, here's what I'll here's what I I will have thrown in. Um, um, I'll like I'll I'll describe I'll, I'll describe like a weird mole he has on his butt, um, <laughs> and and also and also uh, like an I'll also throw in a, an actual real vulnerability that he gets weird around uh, masculinity. So anything that where everyone's like, oh, be a man, oh, be a good man. One. Uh, yeah, he like yeah. so so that's like a real thing that I think Jack has um and he struggles with. So I'll throw that in too when I tell her. Yeah, so that's gotta be just Jack. beneath the surface of his like we'll never refuse a wager thing. Is this mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Like being a man, he's there's something weird about it for him where it's like, what does that mean and how do I do it? Okay. This is weird. Okay. One success, three failures, which means oh, two failures. They already did the math for me. I get I get two failures, so I definitely fail. But I have three advantages. Mm. I like that. So you don't succeed at the lie, but you do succeed at something else. Margaret uh, is like sitting across from you and she smiles, but smiles in a I know what you're saying to me is absolute bullshit (laughs) sort of way. But and there's a pang of that annoyance that that you saw that that starts to to rise up, like whatever impatience is at the core of the thing that she's grappling with starts to show up. But as you keep going and start throwing in these intimate details, the smile turns genuine and Margaret just starts to laugh. And it it hits a point where she goes, like she's laughing out loud as as you're talking. Like I think you might have even worked yourself up to like get some tears involved about like mm. oh you know, yeah. I'm afraid that it'll never be right for us, and we'll just be wandering these skies together forever, never speaking our true hearts. And that's like when when her laughter bursts out, um, and and she reaches out and can barely speak please please stop stop i can see you're you're very talented and i definitely appreciate that she steps in close to you and uh makes again like serious eye contact with you and uh moves down to have her hand hold yours have you ever met a lily before no i've seen i've seen i think i've seen a couple Definitely from a distance and from a hiding spot. Have you heard any stories? Hundreds. 
uh, but I, you know, bullshit a bullshitter. So she will reach up like slowly and hesitantly asking with with her eyes uh, as, as she reaches towards like to pull some hair out of your face and asks very seriously, do you know how a lily can tell if someone is telling the truth? Uh, I no. A black lily can see your true heart. And as she does this, she moves in to kiss you. Is that okay with, with Gerace? In a in a in a way, it's okay. Um, so it's not, it's not. I'm I'm not disgusted by it, but also I'm really not ready. I, I guess it would be a recoil, but it's not like how dare you. It's more like it's not okay for you to know my true heart. That that I'm I didn't I'm not okay with that. Actually, I thought you were here to help Jack. I, how do I? How do I stay out of this? This is to help Jack. The, if you would like to stay out of this, you are absolutely welcome to, as I've said. What, what in my true heart made you think you could kiss me just now? Margaret steps back and blushes. She looks a little unsettled, actually. My apologies. I thought you were more familiar with my profession. A lily's magic works through intimate gestures. I could learn to evaluate the truth of your words through a long conversation getting to know you, but I can learn just as much through a simple kiss. And if you had known Lily's customs, I could have... I'm sorry. I was thinking of myself before your comfort, and that is most certainly not in line with my oath. I don't think I can afford to have another person lie to me, and clearly that truth is overwhelming my better judgment. The truth is, I'm being hunted, and I could die in a way that is more profound than you could possibly imagine. But again, oh my Jack, gosh. does, as does Jack person, hear that? Uh, you're off with the crew giving disappointed dad talks. Okay, no, I, I was just curious. Uh, Wait, okay, keep going, Margaret. You're being hunted. Yes. Solving Jack's problem is going to help you not be hunted? No, there is nothing that will stop that. However, Jack as a person, because he is a person, is important to me. Jack, I believe, has been living with pain for a very, very long time. And I think you, more than many other people on Sphere, know how long a person like Jack, a phrase that she says, heavy with significance, can live. Jack doesn't age. Jack by my estimation, is over a hundred years old. Older than me, which I don't meet many who are older than me, though I suppose I need to change how I count now. You are the person more than anyone else in this world that Jack is closest to, and I suspect he still lies to you. And I know that that's all right with you because you lie for him and you would lie to a lily. I'd at least try. Yeah. So, so yes, Jack, Jack is pained for sure. If you can help him, that would be awesome. I, I don't really know. I don't really know in what way he was, but you, you're kind of circling around it. Um, and you know exactly where to poke. I guess. And I do trust that you mean well. My true heart is that I do care a lot about this person and he cares about me. And I, we've made 
some version of a home here. Um, but you're, yeah, you're, you're in the, you're in the right zone. He is a liar. The lies protect him. And number two, the biggest lie of all is how he does not age. My, I, I have theories and suspicions and, and they've all been thwarted, but what I, what I keep coming back to is, is there something extra human about it? So I don't know how to be, I don't know how, I don't under, I don't really understand it, but he's like, if, if, if there could be five people, you know, in his brain, I would buy that. And each one of them is keeping him alive, something like that. But he's extra human. I don't, I don't see, you know, I don't see Durace, super, like, super uh, natural or paranormal. I don't expect but... you to know. I don't expect you to know because I suspect Jack doesn't know fully himself and hasn't discussed the true details with you either. And that's all right. What I want your help in determining, what I need from you, I have pressing matters to attend to. Like I said, my life is on the line. I have spent 10 days on this ship with this crew and with Jack, and he has made it very clear over those 10 days that he does not intend to be forthright with me in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, you're going to have to come at him from like, you know, left and then like kind of a labyrinth way to get to him. He's, he, that's how he's made it. What I need to know and what I believe being around you will help me know is whether or not there is anything in Jack that wants to be helped. If he is resigned to an endless life that is full of a deep and powerful sorrow, I suppose he is entitled to that. But I don't believe that that is the life that he is fated to have. The luminaries have sent me here for a reason. There were things that would stop me from being here. And if it were almost any other circumstance, I would have walked away from Jack a long time ago. But I haven't. Well, I guess the one, he might want to be helped, but there is nothing about Jack that wants anything to be easy. So if you come at him with all you have to do is that there's just no way he's going to accept that. I think you're going to have to build a bit of a playground, a bit of a game, something in that to make him even get to the point where he does want your help. His, his kind of language is intrigue. So if you can do anything like that, um, you might pull some fun Jack stuff out of Jack. It can't be easy though, even though I, it, yeah, the, the minute it becomes simple, he'll, his brain will turn right off. That's what I needed. And that, she smiles, I do believe. <laughs> yeah. With that, like you, you are pulling into the sky. Uh, dad chats have been had. Um, and <laughs> the, the ship has moved into a different sort of hustle, an easy and familiar hustle that is not full of the chaos of a port. Even if there is more sheepish dragging of feet than there normally would, because everyone has had a bit of an uncomfortable chat. There is still... That's what I was doing on the dock. I was dragging literal feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
there there is still a, a like raucous time at dinner. There there is uh, Margaret kind of makes it clear that despite the chats and despite the fact that maybe she pulled a little bit of influence uh, to cross a boundary, that the crew is not to blame for that. And those folks who you know, were were silent, like they start once again coming out of their shells once more. And there's just a warm evening. And I think, Jerace, this is just like, I've been through a lot and I'm finally back home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love all of this stuff. I love the weird people that we've got on board. And, and, and I will say, I think that Jack... Uh, first off, Jack is like very careful with the the amount of dad voice because like he is so aware of how compelling a Lily is. Like uh, com- uh, the Lily is almost like the flip side of what Jack is, where it is all intimacy and connection and trust and honesty. And you know he sees that the, like the the literal and figurative magic she's been doing on this boat. Like his people are happier and healthier. And, you know, I think he has on occasion, like usually just for a short jaunt, you know, like two or three days. So he knew that there were like benefits to having a Lily on board, but he's probably never seen it happen to like to this extent. And I imagine like maybe one of those times where he's, he's given a Lily a lift, what might have been one of the other times where uh, Gerace was was out and about. So it was just like a little three day jaunt and helping her out as a passenger. Mm-hmm. And, but like, so when he does talk to people, he's like, I understand, you know, I understand that Margaret is, uh, has, has an air of authority. I understand she's almost queen-like in her demeanor, but we aren't, we are not a, a monarchy, you know, as, as much as <laughs> some of us might desire that just, just to say, it's an understandable thing to assume that she was maybe speaking sort of on behalf of, of us. But hmm, like, let's, let's just be careful. Let's just be careful not to fall under the sway of, of people who are overly charismatic. Um, and, and Jack says that with like the biggest <laughs> smile on his face. And he's sort of like, yeah. Yeah. We, we didn't define the real thing about Jack's smile, but Jack's smile has a thing about it. Uh, I, I think the joke that we made is uh, all gold teeth, one real tooth. But there's <laughs> something about... There's something about the smile that like flashes. Uh, and That's great. <laughs> All gold teeth and one real tooth is very funny. Yeah. It's got that spirit to it. It's uh, honestly, what I think of is if you've ever seen the adventures of Baron von Munchausen, mm-hmm. like the, the sometimes like when he's young and, and like whatever, and then, and then he pauses like as his horse rears and he poses just naturally and he smiles, you know, like that's sort of the, the Jack smile, but, uh, but cool. I, I'm curious, like, what did Jack see? Because, like, he was absolutely giving them space because, like, for Jack, he's like, wow, all of these people are better off and he really cares about them. But, you know, probably no one more than his first mate. And so, like, giving yeah. them space to be together, you know, he was excited for perhaps her to see the benefit of that as well. 
But he was like, uh, for all that he was like bustling around and talking to people, he was keeping a weather eye on that. Like, you know, did he see anything? Did he see like, what what did he see? I think Jack got beats and moment. He'll he'll turn once and he'll see, you know, Margaret is like laying out a, a, a serious question or whatever. And he'll turn again and can see that Gerace is like pulling a classic Gerace work. You know, it's like, oh, wow, she got the tears. Like, that's pretty good. That's pretty. That's that's Gerace. And I'm like, in uh, in five minutes, I'm going to circle back and show off the locket. But then like five <laughs> minutes later, he came back and the whole conversation. And he's like, oh, I think he'll turn again and see Margaret is leaning in to kiss Gerace. I don't think like what, what it's spelled to me, that situation that as Amy said, like Margaret was leaning in as a question, Margaret would have given space for Gerace to pull back from that. So like that, Jack, I think there, there's a yeah. moment where, where your beard curls a little bit because you know, with a kiss, a Lily can learn a lot about a person. So I don't know what secrets could, like, if this goes through, I don't know what secrets are on the table. And maybe this is a little bit out of control, but you do see Gerace pull back from that. And, like, maybe there's a little bit of a sigh of relief and you finish your rounds and you come back. And then you see the two of them kind of, like, locked in a conversation where they really do seem to be on the same page. So there were two power players involved and you couldn't hear the conversation. So what do you know? You know things went back and forth like pretty heavily, but you don't know how that exchange played out. And, and I'm delighted because, and honestly, like seeing uh, Gerace do her thing, and I'm like, I'm like, there we go. Like, yep, like that's that's a good 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 pick there. And then it's like, oh, okay, didn't didn't go off, uh, but but I'm not surprised given what I've seen so far. And then like the the lean in for the kiss and the pull back, I think he feels like real pride there where it's like, you know, or, or pride, pride is a little parental, you know, Jack probably feels a, a little bit cause he's known her for so long. Uh, we said about 20 years, right, Amy? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And so time. like, there's, there's a little bit of that. And actually, Amy, let me know, is there, is, is a little bit of that parental feeling like, is that something you're comfortable with between these characters? Yeah, totally. I mean, you are you are older and you you did find me when I was yeah, 11. So, it's uh it that makes a lot of sense. But I will say even if you could have parental pride, but you can also just be proud of your friend as well. Like, yeah. Exactly. And and that's and also like impressed and seeing that kind of it went back yeah. and forth and then they're locked in this almost like a a conversation of kind of equals and I'm and and Jack feels like good about that. And then probably also experiences, I think, a, a little bit of anxiety that he was not expecting, <laughs> that he wasn't expecting. Because, like, in some ways, you know, for a while now, it's been Jack and Gerace kind of against the world. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, like, he wants the best for her. And the Lily tends to bring out the best in people and help people. And that's actually why he excused himself to give them space. but. You know, he feels he feels some of that, some of that anxiety, and then, uh, and maybe just doesn't as uh, I think surprised that he's worried that what he hoped was happening is happening. Um, 
but uh, <laughs> that that's, that nice. is a good good revelation to have you have your dinner it's got to be a rotating dinner because some people have to be flying the ship i i imagine like you had that beautiful buffet that that was set out and like i have to imagine there's a uh more practical version of that for like when you're not entertaining guests but like i can't imagine that anybody who flies aboard jolly jack's ship doesn't have a great time doing it so you know, crew trickles in and trickles out while, you know, guests and Jack are are like welcome to sit and whatnot. And there's this beautiful, like rotating conversation that has uh, that that happens. And you you have this this night at home. Everyone goes to bed. I want to interrupt because I do love the goose and just the mechanics of the boat it's herself. So I really, I want to make sure that Drace gets like an hour or three to just walk around and touch all the ropes and fiddle with the things and, yeah. and maybe, maybe add some stuff to it or take away some stuff and, and, and just, just kind of tinker because she would be like hungry yeah. for that after flying on like a weird anxious yeah. swallow. Let's follow Gerace then. Like, you know, the, there's okay. this rotating dinner. And I, I think like it starts out like, oh, it's so nice to see everyone again and talk to people as they're moving through. But like you get this itch and, you know, Jack is in rare form. He has an audience now and he's just like going into full detail about the adventures that, that, that Ooh, he's had. Let's say... Yeah, I think my itch is that I hear the wind or some, something is like, oh my gosh, I could really play. Like the wind is mm-hmm. going a little nuts or something. Like the weather is, is kind of being weird and I and I want I want to play on I, I want to play with the weather with my Oh, like you've been waiting for a night with like uh where you're trying to tack into the wind, but also it's cold, <laughs> so the feather weave doesn't respond as well. But also Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, I need to t- I need to test something yeah. like that. Exactly. But the, I, I need to test like new, some new some new knots some new ropes some new adjustments and um and, and I've been I think I've been trying to make the ship uh like as ergonomic as possible and maybe even somehow it's it's not possible but for her to be as self sufficient as possible where it's almost as if I could hold on to a rope and somehow she knows to fly herself and and adjusts accordingly just with me on one rope so there i think i'm years away from achieving that but but i i think i'll i think i'll break some things in the process but, yeah. can i get a knowledge shipwright role from you um oh yeah that's that's make it a hard roll so it is against three purple dice but i i think okay. you're pretty well set yes up. i have two yellows and one green so three purple yeah. and two, two yellows and one green. You ready? I'm ready. Let's hear it. Uh, not great, honestly. The end result, <laughs> one advantage. That's it. But I, there were six dice rolled, so a lot of them canceled Dang. out. But one advantage I, is how we're ending this. I, I, I like this. Normally in Genesis, uh, rolling a wash like that is a failure. But in Skyjacks, yeah. we have taken to pulling a luminary because it's you know skill has not one success or failure so we let we let kind of uh the world decide for us and uh, i'm so excited let's see who's with you on this night it is the boat which is a wildly appropriate role uh it's so uncanny it's so uncanny (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's amazing. 
Um, if, and let's see what amazing. the boat tells us here. Uh, the boat is opportunity, freedom, and labor. Yeah, I think, Jerace, like, you just kind of have the most zen kind of moment that I, I think Jerace can possibly have. You are reacquainting yourself with your oldest and dearest friend. And that is not Jolly Jack. That is the goose. <laughs> and the goose can't she, lie to is, she is telling you, like, it, you know, the, the grand verbosity that, that Jolly Jack has, like, in, with his booming voice, it's echoing out even over the, the, the loud wind on this night. Uh, but with the creaks and moans that you are hearing from the goose, she is telling you her own story about a terrible storm where she had to be brought down in a forest, which was not an appropriate place to land, and how one of the legs sticks now, and uh, people have been kicking at it to get it to deploy, which is not the right thing to do. And, like, you are learning, like, you know about all the lines that have been allowed to go a little slack about all of the sales that need to be adjusted about all of the rich mechanics. And like you said, like one to three hours, it is this thing of like, you are just walking around the ship and having this conversation with it. And I think the advantage that you get is that this is just a peaceful time where you are kind of allowed to relax from all of the bullshit that you've been putting up with over the past 10 days of having to travel by bird and not being in your element. Could I, can I make a, a suggestion? Given like the bizarre perfection of that particular luminary draw. Oh yes, of course. And, and given that you said like opportunity and labor, you know, if it is like, she's like, oh, I've been waiting for a night like this actually for who knows how long so I can try a few things what if you know she gets acquainted and then she's like okay oh oh wait now now the wind is shifted now we have to tack in and so what if she goes up into the sails or in you know into because because it is a a a balloon right what if yeah. what if it is a clear night and what if there is the opportunity to learn something either about the weave uh, like in relationship yeah. to the clearness of the night I, or I've, the moon. I've got it. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I've I got it like perfect. So, Jerace, like you do eventually uh, climb the lines and acquaint yourself with the canopy uh, or, or, or the envelope. Like it, what, what you call it, like varies from place to place and what shipwright you're working with. And you, because you are mm. a shipwright at heart and a master shipwright, uh, it, you know, it is something that you identify yourself with. Like you go up and acquaint, reacquaint yourself with the most mysterious part of any ship, the feather weave. Feather weave is the miraculous material that allows ships to fly. It is a silken type of fabric that when it is exposed to heat, it becomes lighter than air. And when it is brought near heat, it uh, does its best to move itself away. It is how it is the thing that allows the ship to go aloft. It is the thing that allows the ship to propel itself through the sky. And it is the one thing as a shipwright that you can never really know about. You can never know about it because the Red Feather Syndicate holds the secret to how Feather Weave works and how it is made very close to its own chest. But 
You go up and you sit on the canopy. It is warm um, and it feels peaceful. This is a great place to meditate. Now, Jolly Jack's ship, the Goose, is constructed like a lot of privateer ships, where you're trying to make the most you can out of what little you have. Uh, there are a lot of older ships in the sky where the entire envelope, the entire canopy, is constructed out of pure feather weave. These days, newer ships, and especially ships that are purpose-built to be in the sky, have patches of feather weave mixed with canvas and other fabric that will work well to hold in the hot air and allow the feather weave to do its work. You mm. haven't really had to repair the sails much because feather weave is extremely durable uh, and it can be interlinked with uh, fabrics and fasteners that last a very long time. So even if you come up to check on them, like normally it doesn't need work. However, on this night, because of the terrible storm, something about the goose told you that it needed attention, called out to you. And so you step onto the silken canopy of the feather weave and you can see the bright red flowing beneath you. Featherweave, when it's lit, has this peculiar quality where at first it will glow almost as though it is red hot. Uh, and that glow fades into a deep red of freshly fallen blood and then disappears into the pure white of Featherweave itself. Um, and it's something that freaks some people out because Featherweave just reacts to changes in temperature. But to you has always been an oddly comforting thing. You bask in that red glow and something catches your eye. The glint of gold pulled up from one of the leather flaps that is, or probably vellum, actually. It's probably like a, a strong sheepskin uh, that is pulled taut over some canvas. Uh, one of what you think of as a shipwright is a compensator. It's something that fills in where feather weave maybe should be, but isn't because it's expensive and hard to get. You can see that some of the vellum has like torn and pulled away. And beneath it, there is a gold glow as you draw in closer like we can see Jerace's face like there's this red lighting and all of a sudden this brilliant gold that comes over Jerace's face and eyes as you stare down at something that looks remarkably like featherweave but isn't it can't be because featherweave turns red when it's heated that's one of the basic things that everybody knows about it but here, this bit of fabric underneath this peaceful moonlight on this night where you have found peace in yourself once again, you are seeing a patch of gold and it makes absolutely no sense. Is, and it is, fa it is fabric like feather weave. Like I can tell that, or, or is it um, like a metal thing that's lodged in there or something? And, and actually I'm curious too, is it that the canopy, because I could imagine like in terms of thinking about the roles of the ship, like mm -hmm. obviously we probably have a cook, you know, and the cook yeah. on on the goose is like actually quite a good cook, you know? Um, you know, it's not a person who makes like a lot of oatmeal, you know, or whatever, but, mm -hmm. uh, or ship biscuit. 
Um, you know, and we obviously need a navigator. You know, we obviously have a person who handles the birds, all these specialized knowledge things. Uh, we probably have someone who who handles the boiler, you know, or the 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 furnace, the thing that makes heat. Do we have somebody who is deliberately just for the weave and the canopy as opposed to the mechanical things, which is Jurace? Uh, so I don't think so. I like because Featherweave is mysterious, like even people who are trained by the Red Feather Syndicate really don't know much about it. Like somebody who is a shipwright within the syndicate would probably know this much heat is going to give you this much lift. And like, this is how close you're going to need your furnace stack to get to that in order to produce this much thrust. Like that is probably a mathematical thing that people have broken down. But beyond that, like nobody's going to teach you how to, you know, replace a tear. Like the best thing you can do is we'll cover it up until you can get back to port. Cool. And so is it safe to say that Probably like Jurace runs the ship and improves the ship and the rigging and everything mechanical about that. Um, you know, Jack, you know, his his purview is sort of like the 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 presentation of the ship and the occasionally whatever. But also as as an alchemist, does Jack maintain the canopy then? He might he might have a hand on it. I, I think okay. this might be more Jurace's purview than anyone else because I, okay. I think I realized in talking about this what happened. Because there are areas of the ship that are we of the canopy that are weave and aren't weave. Uh like you are walking over the places with weave because this is the thing that keeps the ship aloft and you know that. You come to this area and there is normally weave here, and you found the vellum instead. And the vellum is okay. even and damaged. Is it- is this like is this like one foot by one foot or what is it? Uh, is this like maybe a like a five area? by five? Like this, the the can't a jack ship oh, isn't dang. huge. It's not huge, but like this is this is something that has changed. And like Jack had mentioned that you oh, went yeah. through a storm, and you know didn't mention anything else. So part of you is okay. like, if something happened to the weave, why the fuck wasn't I told when I got on board the ship? And what is this in place of that? This is weird. You've never seen anything like this in your life. All right. I go up to her. I do go up to it. If I if I can reach out and touch it, reach out and touch it and say, talk to me, girl. What What is going on with you, Goose? Well, you got the boat. The boat is on your side here. So like you, you reach out, you touch it. It has that similar silken feel of feather weave. It has that like buoyant sort of weight to it. As you put your hand down, it is firm and it does not give in a way that other parts of the canopy, you know, would because they are different materials. This is behaving like feather weave, but, but touching like this swirling sort of gold, because it is that like it, it, turns to a bright gold and then fades to a bit of a yellow and then swirls with white in the same way that uh, Featherweave moves through its reds. This feels like Featherweave. It's just the wrong color. Mm. Uh, so I have, I also have star watching. Would that help me at all? If, if that's some version of magic that we're dealing with. So star watching, it would help you plot a course. It would help you know the weather. It would, it would okay. help you know a lot of things. Uh, you could try a star watching role 
Um, I, I'd be interested to see it. We're gonna we're gonna call this daunting. So this is gonna be almost impossible. This is okay. four purple dice, but you okay. do have a shot at it. I do have a shot because I have two yellows and a green. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like okay. So yeah, I'm like looking at the stars. Gosh, ooh, that's bad. Okay, <laughs> one advantage, but three failures. So I mean, like you look at the stars. Star watching is kind of a complicated process. I, I think okay. you know somewhere on your person you have to have like a manual. There are a lot of different traditions of star watching, but basically okay. the the gist of it is you take out a sextant, you take the positions of the stars, the position of the moon, and you use that to to, to figure out your position on sphere, and then from that there are all sorts of different complex equations that you run that information through in order to arrive at a number that's supposed to mean something. And there are lots of different like magicians and philosophers who have written their own guides. And like, you know, some will be like, if you take the proper measurements, you will be able to figure out what the crops are going to yield this year because you're going to be able to project many different like seasons and many different storms and whatnot. Uh, so there is, it, it's, it's a bit science mixed with a bit of like I Ching uh, to it where, Ooh, yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a good pull. Like I, I was going to say augury, like reading the entrails of birds. Well, yeah, yeah. Like there, there are different different ways. Like and or you know, the there there are people who try to do a similar sort of divination with a Bible, like using Bible code stuff. Like it, it is you. Okay. There, there is a scientific process to this. It is like this equation leads to this equation leads to this. But as you, as information gets more specific, it's it starts to get less scientific and more superstition. And so mm. the thing that I think you have learned, because you are a good star watcher and, you know, you know how to operate the ship and you know the ship better than anything else in the world. You don't know what this is. The thing you do know from your mm. advantage is right now it's behaving like Featherweave would behave. Okay. I light. So I know enough about Featherweave. Can I light a match next to it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'd be able to light because Featherweave will not catch fire. It will move away from the heat and become lighter and lighter as, as it does. So is that what it does? So there is an interesting fluttering as you get close. Like you light this match and like this has to be an intense like windproof match. Like uh, Pat okay. keeps these matches at, at his places that are just like, you know, most match heads are like tiny dots, but they there are some that can extend through the entire stick that are almost okay. like flares. So you pull out one of these, okay. um, strike it, and bring it close. And Featherweave normally would heat up and then do its best to try and move away. This one, th this weave feels like it is almost fluttering back and forth, like something is drawing it in and also something is repelling it, which is... I think we, we've done investigations of this type of weave on the main show. This is the first time anyone has learned anything. Uh, so good job to Derace for that. I started this game not even knowing what feather weave was. Now that I know, I am all in on getting a master's of science in feather weave. <laughs> so, so that's that's a new Derace goal. But this is, but the, yeah, this is a little nuts. And I, I would, I don't think I, I think on this uh, case, I want to 
uh, learn more and, and, and in the meantime, preserve it. What I will do is I'll, I'll write it down in my, in my book, uh, which I'm sure I have about like my, uh, it's not a captain's log, but it's at least a first mate's log, a mechanic's log. Yeah. And I'll, I'll take the measurements just because I'm gonna, I don't know where it came from. I'm going to talk to, I want to talk to Jack about it. And I also want to make sure that it doesn't grow or shrink, or I just want to track the oh, stuff that I do know about. That's it. So I'm going to cool. describe, yeah, I'm going to describe it in the be- the color of it, the best way I can in my book and take the measurements and uh, record what it did with heat. And other than, uh, yeah, anything I can glean, I'll, I'll mark down, but, but I'm not going to destroy it. I'm going to, pre- I'm going to try to preserve well, it. You couldn't, if it was feather weave, it is a feather weave like material. So you don't know that it's indestructible. Yeah. So that, okay. that that's perfect. Right. Okay, cool. So yeah, yeah, you do. But I'm not going to even carve my name in it. I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> we then, then I think we zoom out over, over yeah. the silent landscape of, of this night. And, uh, you know, like all we can see is that this tiny person on top of this massive canopy with this gold glow beneath them. Um, Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And night turns to day and we start entering uh, the region for uh, Cret Azur. Cret Azur is named uh, partially uh, by the for the forest that surrounds this place. Uh, this is in the mainland um, and in a hilly sort of rocky area of the mainland, but it is named specifically for the forest and trees around it. Um, those trees have a gorgeous blue tint to the leaves, um, and. Beneath you, it looks like uh, the gentlest waves imaginable, seeing the branches of the trees sway back and forth as you approach this town uh, that is kind of built up onto a hill. You can see something that is a bit of a combination between a mansion and a fort uh, built onto this hill that is overlooking this wonderful little town full of, it's not stucco, but like they're plaster walled houses with, with straw roofs and around them are these beautiful steel and glass greenhouses. There is a skyport here. It is not uh, particularly busy. It, it, it's not as uh, hopping as Yaris was. Uh, so this town is a little sleepy, uh, but it, you know, there's clearly some money that runs through here. And the morning is bright and clear, uh, and the goose is like kind of free to uh, approach the town. Uh, there are folks uh, from the crew are up on the sides of the ship, uh, sort of waving their flags uh, back and forth, communicating with uh, the ground below to ready their descent. Have I been here before? Um, I don't think you have uh you have flown in this region before uh Mm -hmm. but like 
this is a spot that like Jack probably has pretty good maps. Maps are kind of a rare and commodified thing in Sphere. Um, and Jack absolutely trusts you enough to show you his true maps or the truest version of any maps that he shows anyone. Um, and you, like th this place has been on there. And <sighs> Pat, I got to think, Jack has like a language of alchemical symbols that he uses kind of as shorthand for different towns. And this one is marked with a symbol that I don't think you use frequently. And probably the ink, like I can't imagine that you're using archival ink for a lot of things because that has to be ludicrously expensive. So maybe the spot is even a little bit faded because this isn't a particularly rich town, but like there's definitely the symbol that you use for I've done business here before. And there's an infrequently used symbol on it that has like faded a lot. And is this, uh, is this Gerace checking it or, uh, or is this like us going over it together? That I'm going to leave. Uh, like, actually I, I'm really curious. What does Jack, leave in Gerace's hands these uh, are like navigation yeah see and I was I was almost wondering because you know a traditional sea captain like your charts like your your maps your measurements of like where the reefs are what the currents are like all of that stuff like that was just such a huge part of of what a ship was or like if it was a shipping company, like that was their assets, was like their charts of this. Uh, at first I was thinking, oh, we must have a navigator. But now I'm thinking, I'm thinking that is probably shared between me and Gerace. Yeah, um, I, I, I as, would expect. Yeah. Part, part and, of the and, value and, of a captain in Sphere is your maps. Like when you elect yeah. a captain, you are partially electing that captain's map. Um, yeah. And so, like there, there are are a lot of of maps, and I would probably say, and and this is something, I would honestly need to chat with you about James in a different way, and I'd love to skirt over the top of it for now, mm -hmm. because the big question is, of course, where does Jack get the salt? Yeah, um, you know, because and that's of, of there's probably two. You know, there, there's the mystery of Jack himself, and then there's the mystery of the salt. And there's a bunch of weird fairy stories about it. But one of the most consistent is that Jack produces it himself through alchemical means. And mm -hmm. that's sort of the official story. But also, and then, like, a lot of the variant stories are versions of that. Like, he does it, but he can only do it under the full moon, you know? And there's this whatever. But in terms of what the reality of that is and how... Uh, like, cause Jack would have to have a consistent way of keeping that secret. But other than that, I would think, yeah, most of, you know, his maps are, uh, you know, available to Gerace. And I think one or the other of them is the one who sets the course, which is why I, honestly, I think, you know, she came aboard and she had made, you know, she had picked up goods for trade. And because it's either her or me, and she's obviously decided the next stop, I think I have left it in her hands, which is probably our protocol. And she's like, I, when I showed up, if there hadn't been any any cargo, 
then we would have talked it over or whatever. Yeah. But like, I like that. You know, and and honestly, our normal process probably got short circuited, and Margaret had the book, and so like it could be Jack's like, okay, well, you know, she's you know, she has set the heading, she's talked to whatever you know, and Jack is hosting, you know, and and kind of has his hands full. It could be Jack has just not been paying attention to where they're going. He just knows it's the next stop. I, I like that. Cause also your hands are still full trying to avoid, um, uh, Margaret's questions. Yep. Too. So yep. you're, yeah. Yeah. You're trying too hard to avoid her to, uh, do any of the kind of busy work that's involved in, in charting courses. I have to um, imagine like we could flash to just a moment of like Jack's like trying to avoid this conversation. I think Margaret <laughs> Margaret does this by being obliquely in places that Jack is. Like oh, so Jack <laughs> Jack goes out onto the deck to admire the stars and finds Margaret there and he like sort of like turns around silently closes the door and then <laughs> sort of creeps down and is like, maybe I'll inspect the cargo and goes down there and sees a lamp light on. It's like, well, who's down here in the cargo hold and like looks around the corner and sees that Margaret's somehow also in the cargo, <laughs> the cargo hold now looking <laughs> looking at something in the cargo and hold. Then, and and like, then a <laughs> Benny Hill sequence uh, starts and it's just a bunch of doors opening and shutting and Yep. Margaret's Margaret's following him around. Probably, and, probably yeah. in your brain somewhere is going, I got to learn how to do whatever the hell this is. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So seeing the city or the town, um, you mentioned you mentioned a mansion on a hill and then how many and then you um, a bunch of greenhouses. And then is this kind of like a, a duchy situation where there's the main kind of fortress thing and then lots of little um, farmers and serfs or whatever around that and that's what makes up the town yes yes or or there's so there's only one big mansion and and yeah it's like kind of a uh down abbey type thing like that's providing a lot of work for people it very very much that's the case uh you can okay. see that there is kind of a clear uh stone fence border between and and like there's a stone fence that surrounds this town that is like, you know, knee high, just sort of boundary setting. But that fence is between the town and the forest surrounding it. Um, okay. th there are paths like sort of leaning in and out, but there there's that fence. Then there are long, long fields. And then we sort of get into what the meat of the town is. And th that is this little place built up around this fortress thing. The thing that stands out to us as observers from the real world is you would expect those fields are full of farmland, but instead this town has these greenhouses built up that are incorporated into the center of town itself and you know, where you would expect farmsteads to be. Uh, and instead you have like these multifamily homes and, you know, pseudo apartments where it seems like most people are living instead of living on like little homesteads surrounding the town itself. So how many greenhouses are we talking? And are do they range in size? I, I think they do range in size, like especially the ones that are incorporated into the town are probably smaller than the ones that are on sort of the outskirts of the town. I I'm going to say there are dozens, like there are a lot. Um, I see. Uh, that, that clearly serves more than just the town itself. Does it look a little bit like 
and again, I'm, I'm thinking of flying over Wisconsin. What you see is like there's farmland carved out into 40 acre parcels. Mm-hmm. And then you have the houses dotted on the corners of those. Yeah. Because uh, you'd have a full parcel or a quarter parcel. So it's it's sort of like that, except – and that's what you would see over most towns is farmland or grazing land. Um, but here, does it look like it's that, except instead of a field, you have like, oh, here's a little farmer, but what they're farming is a greenhouse? Or does it actually look a little bit like industrial almost, or, or rather not industrial – a little renaissance, which is like there's a, a large population density that hasn't sprawled. Yeah, it is. It is a it is a uh, large population density. And that these like, you know, you can probably see because it is the mornings like you can see that there is foot traffic and cart traffic out to these greenhouses that that are, you know, in these fields like the fields themselves are full of like wild growing you know, grasses and whatnot. Uh, but people are going out to work these greenhouses. And so a, a, Jack and Gerace are sort of like up at the, the bow of the ship, like sort of what, what's it called? Like the, the outlook, the, the, I'm the king of the world. <laughs> you lean over the front of the ship. Part um, of the ship. I, I think, think, I think that think is the bow. I, I don't that. know another word other than bow. The bow rail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, bow rail. So we're, we're up there. And I'm like, and I'm like, what, what is this place called again? I, I, and I'm Cret, asking Gerace. Cret Azur. Cret Azur. Cret Azur. And I think, I think they, oh, it's been ages. I think the greenhouses are for, I'm, I'm really trying to bring it up in my head because uh, it's been ages. Uh, do I remember anything? Uh, you do have knowledge adventuring. Um, uh, which I think would be a pro- oh well, that's on the sheet that I made for you. What ja- what knowledges does Jack have, Pat? <laughs> you know, I think adventuring. If that is sort of like what he has, what he has seen of the world, um, I think that's that's pretty appropriate. That might be a harder check because, like, you're really just trying to remember your various adventures. Um, do you have like? other knowledges that you gave yourself i'm I'm curious to know what jack knows generally um, speaking you know i i will say generally speaking uh you know he he has been around for a long time he does make a living by his wits and so uh what you have on the sheet here i think is pretty solid it's adventuring culture lore geography and then forbidden, yeah, uh, which is is perfect for Jack. I, I think culture. I've got the only the only additional knowledge I have. I've got two ranks in shipwright and a career in shipwright, and then I have a career check for uh, geography. But other than that, it's just three green all over the place. Yeah, I mean, like Jack has. To be fair to Jerace, Jack has had more time than you uh, to acquire this knowledge. So yeah, and and honestly, like. I think Gerace knows the ship better than Jack. For Gerace, it's like, oh, well, what do we do here? And Gerace is like, well, we have a ship and the ship does things. But if you were to ask Jack, what Jack would say is like, oh, no, like this is the world and the network of connections that we have. This is is the business to him. Whereas for her, the business is the ship. Yeah. Um, and, And we're both of us. Both of us probably underestimate the value of the other because the other has been covering that so well. Totally. I love it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Jack, what are these greenhouses for? What are they growing in there? So pretty much all of mine, uh, except for Forbidden, are uh, are the same. Should I just roll that against a, a hard? Uh, yeah. Roll that if you're if you if you have ranks in culture at all, then roll roll an average for that because. Yeah, I do have a culture. And so this is um, good. What did you, what did, what dice did you roll? Uh, I had uh, one, hold on. I rolled way, way so, so many, too many. I'm like, why is this so bad? I rolled four purple. That's not what I should roll. Nope. Um, that you should be rolling two for an average. <laughs> yep. I'm like, why am I so bad at this? Um, so I'm rolling a, a yellow and two green. Um, nice. So I've got two uh, net successes, and then and I cancel out in terms of threats. Uh, so you and you know and advantages historically back before the stars fell. Uh, this region was a pretty big farming region. Um, you know that 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 is what they are known for. Uh, but after the stars fell, uh, they they held on to that title because this is one of the places where greenhouses were developed. Uh, one of the struggles agriculturally in Sphere is that oh, seasons right. flow out of order and you can have summer one week and the next day it will be the heart of winter. Uh, anything that is farmed uh, in a traditional sense, anything that is agriculture versus any something that is gathered, uh, all tended crops will not flow with the seasons. Meaning if there is a wild apple tree, that apple tree will fruit in autumn and, uh, you know, it will fruit in autumn even if it was winter in the previous day and had bare branches. The next day when it is autumn, you will see apples on that tree. If you are in an orchard, uh, as soon as it freezes, it freezes and it's not fruiting unless you get a healthy amount of time. The greenhouse protects from freezing um, and allows people to grow cool. crops at scale. Um, so Cret Azure must be one of the places where people grow and export crops. Uh, you can see now... In addition to the the civic flag for Crete Azure, which is emblazoned with a family crest that is just a beautiful blue tree over over a white and silver background, um, like you see the Red Feather Syndicate's uh, classic red feather in a circle branded here as well. So you know that this place is under corporate policy. And, and follows the dictates of Red Feathers and must have some sort of trade agreement with Red Feather ships. There don't appear to be a lot of Red Feather ships here right now, which probably means that there are no crops to collect at the moment. They they do this. It used to be it would just be Jack did this. But now as she goes out more and more on her own, you know, like she will know things about the cities and the regions or the people that that Jack won't. But this is kind of a familiar thing. And he's like, he's like, right, right, right. Oh, yes. It was credit. We're landing in credit. Right. Yes, credit where we sure. need to deliver. Uh, they uh, when in the time when so many folks were struggling to deal with the, the new way of the world, these folk landed on their feet pretty easily. They. Um, there was a, a strong glassmaking industry here. 
they have the right kind of sand for it. You wouldn't think it, but the, the right kind of sand is really important for making glass. And so they were able to throw up the greenhouses pretty early. It's also it's a kind of a special type of glass that is an insulator as well. Um, there's an interesting alchemical process uh, because it's not enough. Like in, in the fall, of course, the sun hits it and it warms. But uh, during a winter, just glass is is glass and, and your crops would still freeze. Uh, but they developed it quickly and really made uh, made a name for themselves and their people stayed. As you can see, like it's very dense here. It seems like there's something about the forest too where they need to kind of keep safe from it. You know that. Uh, maybe Gerace would or wouldn't. I don't know because Gerace, I think, is from a city originally, but that's the Queen's domain. Yeah, and I go, I think I might have actually a while back, maybe before you were here, I traded them a, a large quantity of salt that they might have mixed with the mortar on their uh, that low wall. It's like obviously not like a defensive perimeter. Yes, yes, it was for the mortar for the wall. You know, salt, uh, a wonderful protective measure. I love um, that. We see a bunch of deer like licking at that wall too. Like yep. <laughs> that absolutely has to be the yep. arrangement. And so, uh, yeah, that was that was ages back. It's it's so good to see them doing. See this, this, my dear, is the work we're doing in the world. We keep people safe, and and healthy, and the deer happy too. Obviously, <laughs> it's, uh, um, yeah, it's it's uh, good to see. Well, this will be this will be yeah. quite a different uh, adventure, a different, um, definitely a different charter this time around, from salt all the way to cadavers and body parts. Did you when you were here? Were you Privy to any uh, almost re uh, religious dealings, or it's, uh, it seems, it, it, or, or medical history, or uh, no, knowledge. I, I, I mean, I, uh, I, I try to steer clear of the godly folk. They, they can, they can make their own choices, and and I, I will make mine. We don't get on as a rule, oh, and you know, in terms of the the medical, it's more. Uh, my interests there are the pursuit of the art. And I do have an, an interest in mm. the human body, of course, because all of the world is reflected in the body. And then uh, the knowledge of the world and the body is reflected in the art. And then my pursuit, of course, of the stone, you know, which is the accumulation of the art and therefore mastery over the self and the world. Mm. Um, I mean, you've heard this a hundred times before. And honestly, he's kind of going through it a little bit pro forma just because it's like, well, you already know this, but like, it would be weird if he kind of didn't do it a little bit. Totally. I guess, I guess, yeah, we're both, uh, I guess we're both a little surprised that something as simple as a farming town could want something as um, macabre as corpses. Well, I mean, it's luxury good. Um I mean, when, when you have your basics covered, um, you know, if they if they are in bed with the syndicate, they have trade routes. Um, if they have their food covered, that means they get to export and that means money, prosperity. And that means you get to buy fancy things like dead bodies um, to do to do. I, I pray I just pray something scientific too it's not I hope it's not anything other than that. Well, Jack, I, I hope you're OK with it. I, I wouldn't. 
I would like to not leave before I find out what they're doing with these bodies. I just find it very intriguing. No, I mean, I, uh, sure. I, 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 it does seem like the responsible thing to do. I'll take anybody's money, but my curiosity is unassuaged by anything. <laughs> you know, I, I, I respect that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Skyjack's Azure Blues. Jolly Jack was played by Patrick Rothfuss, who can be found on Twitter at Patrick Rothfuss. Gerace was played by Amy Vorpal, who can be found on Twitter at Vorpalsword, spelled V-O-R-P-A-H-L. This episode was edited by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at Dreams to Become and on her own podcast, Skyjack's Courier's Call. I am James D'Amato your host and game master. I can be found on Twitter at OneShotRPG and as the game master of our main series show, Campaign Skyjacks. Remember, there are no kings. Take flight. Do you love Star Wars but kind of wish you didn't? Then join us on the Expounded Universe podcast as we read through all the old Star Wars novels that took the galaxy far, far away that you know and love and turned it into a place where Han Solo can punch a giant otter and Luke Skywalker almost gets eaten by a giant gold-plated pillar of Dinty Moore beef stew. Did you like Princess Leia? Well, too bad! Now she's a space racist! Don't believe me? You'll just have to listen to find out on Expounded Universe.